For young people, the question always comes, what will I do next? Well, here's an idea, CORE. CORE is a discipleship and evangelism program that runs for nine months. And in that short amount of time, you will learn everything you need to know to become an effective soul winner, as well as having the tools to ensure that your walk with God remains rooted in Jesus Christ. They will teach you how to do and give Bible studies, all about literature evangelism, mental health, and health evangelism, how to use digital media to further God's work, and even take you on an overseas mission program to help you practice what you preach. For more information, go to coreevangelism.com. Daniel's faith is tested for 15 years, and in his diligent searching, he stumbles upon a goldmine of grace, of Mm. forgiveness, and encouragement, but that would never have come to him had he not chosen to look Mm. and search with all of his heart. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. We hark on about our mission quite a lot here at Why They Did That. It's simple. We want to tell you the very best stories ever written so that you, in response, will turn to those stories, to the scriptures for guidance, for instruction, for correction, for life. Too often, the Bible becomes a go-to book solely in times of crisis, pain, or loss. And it's our duty to turn to the Word of God regardless of the circumstance, regardless of our feelings or our motivation to strive for a relationship with our Creator and Redeemer always. That's the goal, but I can't lie to you. There are times when it seems as though the Bible has a very specific word for us in times of discouragement, in times of confusion, in times of heartbreak. And I think this episode, more than most, will show you just how practical the Word of God truly is. The path of the Israelites can be separated into two great geographical movements. On one hand, you have this glorious exodus from the bonds and shackles of Egypt, culminating in the opening of the Red Sea and the unfortunately prolonged journey to the Promised Land. Then of course, on the other, you have the Babylonian exile from that Promised Land into the lands of Shinar. This time, instead of slaves, they're subjects to the great king Nebuchadnezzar, prisoners of war. The prophets spoke again of times of freedom for the people to pin their hopes on, and it's there where we find Daniel, having spent what must feel like eons in Babylon, desperately longing for a word from heaven. The word comes, and if anything, it's devastating. The prophet is told that this whole thing won't be over for another 2,300 days. And while that doesn't sound too long, about six and a half years worth, 
when you apply the prophetic understanding of each day being a year, it's unto 2,300 years. And then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Now, if you're Daniel and you're hearing about a sanctuary being cleansed and you're in exile in a foreign land because the sanctuary has been destroyed Mm. in Jerusalem, what he's hearing is that we're getting even more of a timeout as a nation. It's no longer 70 years, it's 2,300 prophetic years. And this is crushing the guy out. It's Mm. so discouraging, it's so overwhelming for him, and he doesn't know what to do about this because it just got way longer. And so an angel sent to speak to him to help him understand what's going on. And so it says uh, in verse 15, Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning, that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a voice between the banks of the Uli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Mm. It's an important word that's tying Daniel 8 and Daniel 9 together. Again, it says later, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now, there's two words used for vision in Daniel 8, 9, and 10 surrounding this whole scenario of what he saw in Daniel 8. One's referring largely to what's happening with the ram and the he-goat and the little horn. That's the stuff talking about the time of the end. But there's another word used called Mara, M-A-R-E-H, that is uh, implying this 2300-day aspect or 2300-year aspect and the vision of the angels talking about that. And that's what really weighs on him throughout this journey together, Mm. as we're about to see. And so that first vision, the different word uh, of the little horn, refers to the time of the end. But as he's speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. Right. Physically, it's so hard for him to process what he was just told that he faints. Mm. And an angel touches him and helps him to stand him upright. And it will skip all the way to the end of the chapter where it says, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. And afterward I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. And what I think is so significant here is that, yeah, he's going about his day-to-day duties, but part of him has died inside. And I mean, it makes sense because they're used to elements of captivity, whether it be through Babylon or before time even the the philistines but there was always a reprieve you know in the time of the judges they would have 20 years or 40 years and then freedom and then it would be this kind of repetitive cycle 70 years in babylon is almost it's a lifetime essentially to then hear 2300 years you know we're talking about not only daniel are you not going to make it out but your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren aren't even going to make it out in that time. Right. Like, we're talking about an astronomical amount of time that doesn't just affect him, but his... Base, I mean, Daniel's not going to have children, right. but his people's lineage almost almost to the end. And this flies in the face of what God has already said, as we'll mm. get into in a moment, which makes it even more challenging because, you know, God told them in Jeremiah it'll be 70 years that they're going to be there. And so I don't know about you, but when I get in situations that are going to be challenging or difficult, maybe when you were studying for finals and you were in college, mm. I just need to make it to the end of this week. Right. And if I can make it to, so you pace yourself emotionally. Yeah. Well, he's paced himself. He will be in Babylon for the entire length of that captivity, all 70 mm. years. Daniel's there for it. Yeah. So he's banking on at the end of this, we're going home. And now he's being told, no, you're not only not going home, but no one who knows you 
or who knows of you will even be the ones who go back. Like mm-hmm. you're just, you'll be a forgotten figure by the time any one of the descendants of Israel will go back. Right. So this is really freaking him out because this is the only interpretation he can think yeah. of in this situation. He has no other options in his mind. So physiologically, he's freaking out. He cashes out. But again, part of him, he's, he's doing his day-to-day responsibilities, but part of him has died inside. And I don't know about you, but I've had those circumstances where like you're trying to focus on the task at hand, but based upon what you're dealing with inside, you're fighting mm-hmm. battles that no one knows anything about. Yeah. And that's Daniel. That's Daniel and Daniel 8. Then we get to chapter 9. This is 15 years after the vision of Daniel 8. So 15 years of no resolution. Mm-hmm taxing, excruciating uncertainty. He doesn't understand what God is doing. He doesn't understand what God wants. He doesn't even understand who God is in the midst of the bad news he's getting. Because God says one thing, but now it seems like God's saying another thing, and he gets no resolution. So we have those moments in our experience where we just don't understand. And for us, it's usually about two weeks. (laughs) Right. You know, you get like... Lord, it's been a month now, or it's been it's been six months, and and we haven't heard from you. We haven't had a resolution. This prayer, this thing that we've been asking for, hasn't ans- hasn't been answered. And I wonder how many leave the Lord because they just perceive He's not listening. Yes, you know He's not answering our prayers. Daniel's gone fifteen years, fifteen years without any sort of resolution. None. In fact, all he gets, because there's an interpretation given by the angel in Daniel 8 Mm -hmm. that tells him some about the vision, but it's mainly about the little horn. The only thing he's told about the 2300 days or the 2300 prophetic years is that it's true. Hmm. Which is the one thing he probably doesn't want to hear. Exactly. Like He gets a lengthy explanation about the other stuff, but about this, all he's told is it is true, and it's getting to him. And this is what fuels the passionate prayer you see in Daniel 9. But there's even more that fuels it, which I think is really, really, really fascinating. Um, So, I mean, part of him is wondering, like the curses that were given in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience, they would go into exile and so forth. He's almost wondering, has additional hard time been tacked onto us because many of our own people aren't being faithful in Babylon? Mm. You've got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's it, really. That's all we know of, yeah. So those are the only ones that we know of who are standing faithfully for God. I'm sure there are many backslidden Israelites. And so he's wondering, man, have we blown it so bad that more hard time got tacked onto our sentence? That's the only thing that he can envision at this stage. But there's there's more hard time, and there's two millennia and then some. <laughs> yeah. And so we get to Daniel 9, beginning of verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood... Remember this word, understand, understood, is a big part of this, Mm -hmm. this topic from Daniel 8 all the way through 10. I understood this much, that by the book of the numbers of the year specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now, this is very significant because as he's wrestling with what he doesn't understand based upon what God has said, Hmm. he goes back to what God has said in other places, Hmm. which is an important lesson for us, that when you don't know what God is doing, be diligent in searching the scriptures, searching the prophecies, and weigh out, what did he say? What am I misunderstanding? Search for meaning. Mm. And that's what Daniel does. So in the midst of that discouraging 15 years, when it could be tempting to just throw in the towel and, and be done with this whole religion thing, Daniel makes a decided and firm decision that I'm not going to let God go until I figure this thing out. Mm. 
I'm going to keep studying. I'm going to keep searching. I'm going to keep trying to... So in the midst of not understanding, I'm going to study more. I'm going to be more disciplined, more focused. So he's praying, he's searching, he's searching the prophecies, and he gets an answer that 70 years for destruction of Jerusalem. He says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. This isn't some tepid prayer, right? This isn't Jesus bless our food. Anyway, amen, moving on with my life. Like this is fervent prayer Mm -hmm. that we're about to see. And so I made, I prayed to the Lord God, made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. So he's, he's already swinging for the fences in prayer here. He's praying fervently, and he's asking God to do what he has promised. He pleads with God to be a God of mercy. Hmm. You claim to be a God of mercy. When Moses said, show me your glory, God puts his hand over him and then defines his own character as a God who's long-suffering, who's merciful, who's gracious. And so Daniel's saying, I need you to prove that right now. Yet we've been unfaithful. We have broken covenant. We have not been faithful, but you've promised to be a faithful God Mm -hmm. in the midst of the unfaithfulness of your people, and we need you to do that. And he's praying with such tenacity as if he's the only guilty party. Right. I mean, he starts saying stuff like, God, we have sinned, we have done wickedly, verse 5, and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. But you look at the life of Daniel in Babylon, that's not his life. Yeah. He's a guy, he's one of the few people who's actually standing for the right. And it would be very easy if I were him in that situation to say, they've been unfaithful, they've been wicked, they've been ridiculous. So why does he put himself in it? Daniel feels as though, as we'll see in some of the promises that he's claiming when we get to that, that next section, Daniel feels that the only hope for the nation is for him to do for Israel what Israel is not doing for themselves. Mm. That he's going to pray the prayer that this nation has failed to pray for nearly 70 years. It's the only hope that's left. And he only figured that out by going back to what Jeremiah said, and we'll get into that in just a second, to realize, like, this is what's been missing. This is what God needs from us. So the the ironic thing is the very disappointing news he gets leads him to get clarity on something he may not have had clarity on before. Mm. This forced him to search for things he may not have been looking for, which better contextualizes his current struggles and his current circumstances. And let's talk about that kind of faith. You know, like, as you said, in the midst of such discouragement, um, to, for, for his faith to grow, for his desire to know God's will to increase to the point where, you know, he is going back to to the prophet Jeremiah, but he's also, it says, turning his face to the Lord, prayer, supplications, fasting, sackcloth, ashes. This is a man who's desperate. Yes. Genuinely desperate to know what God's will is. And he's he's been like that for 15 years. And I don't think that's really brought out enough because I know for myself, if there was something that affected me to the degree that the captivity was affecting this man, given everything that he had seen already and been through, to go, I mean, a year, maybe, 15 years, and it's not that his faith hasn't died. It's that he looks like a stronger Christian than he's ever looked before. That's the amazing thing. Many of us, when we feel that God doesn't care, God isn't answering our prayers, God isn't helping us with with the unresolved questions we have in our faith. It's very easy in those moments as a human being, as a real fleshly person, 
to become less disciplined. Right, that's our buyout clause, essentially. Yeah, like, you didn't keep your covenant with me. You're not You're not answering my prayers. You're not mm-hmm. hearing me, so I'm not going to pray. Right. I'm not going to... What's the point? It would be the, the logical response, mm-hmm. we would think, in our fallen minds, that what is the point of continuing in these things if mm-hmm. I can't even get an answer to the thing that's crushing my life out right now? So many people are wrestling with these very thoughts right now on the precipice of do I stay or do I go on these very circumstances where we don't understand who God is or what he's doing and what he's not doing Hmm. and what he's not saying. And that's where Daniel is. But he doesn't become less disciplined. He goes even deeper. He's fasting in sackcloth and ashes, and he's searching the scriptures more tenaciously than he ever has, mm-hmm. seeking meaning. And there's lessons there for us today. Very, very important lessons. I've always said that studying the Bible is one of the hardest things you could possibly do. Not because understanding what the scriptures say is difficult, rather that once you do understand, the implications of what the Word of God is saying should always lead you to a place where you have to make very challenging decisions. How convicting is it that when Daniel is going through the most arduous time of his life, he only gets closer to God, trusts Him more, loves Him more, serves Him more. So what was Daniel studying? What was it that he was going to to find his answers? Well, there's two specific prophecies in Jeremiah that Mm -hmm. regard the 70-year captivity. The first is in Jeremiah chapter 25. So he gets to Jeremiah 25, and beginning in verse 1 all the way through about verse 12, he basically tells them that you haven't listened to my prophets. I woke up early. I sent them. You've Mm -hmm. not listened to them. And there's going to be 70 years of captivity in Babylon because of this. So this is preceding the Babylonian captivity. It's going to happen. Then you skip ahead to Jeremiah chapter 29. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, this is now during the captivity. Mm -hmm. And while they're in captivity, the counsel that he's giving to them is build houses, get married, have kids, plant your gardens. You're going to stay. You're going (laughs) to be here a while. And pray for the prosperity of the nation where you're taking captive. Mm. So you're not leaving anytime soon. And he reaffirms the fact that it's going to be 70 years for their captivity in verse 10. Uh, And again, it's because they didn't listen to the prophets who were sent to them. I tried to warn you. I tried to help you. You spurned and rejected them. This is the consequence. Mm -hmm. You get to verse 10. He says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you. And I'll perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Mm. This is what caused Daniel to pace himself for 70 years, that God's going to show us favor. We had to go through a time of punishment, but we're going to have a time of favor at the end of it. This is why it was so soul-crushing to hear towards the end of that 70 years, oh, by the way, 2,300 more years. And again, This is what Daniel thinks is being told to him. He really doesn't understand what was said. Mm -hmm. And so then we get to verse 11, which is so fascinating because in, as as you're searching the scriptures to just make sense of the math, I believe that this, we can't speak to this, but I I imagine being Daniel in this scenario. You're searching through the scriptures, you're trying to find answers, and the midst of just trying to find answers on time, God ministers to the concerns of his heart. Mm. And as he sees in verse 10 how long it's going to be, 
Then listen to the very next words that Daniel would read in this frame of mind that we've been talking about. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Mm. What's the very thing he's tempted to believe isn't happening right now when he prays? Right, that God just doesn't hear him. God's not hearing him. And he says, I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Right. Which explains the tenacity of the heartfelt prayer of Daniel 9. Mm. God's telling him to swing for the fences in Jeremiah 29. So Daniel does swing for the fences in Daniel 9. And so he says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Mm -hmm. So as he's searching to make sense of things, the original promise from God seems to still be true. Now, I don't know what to do with what God has said over here with this 2300 year thing. But it seems as though God is saying it's going to be 70 years. And it's not just that 70 years, like God is willing to literally forgive the nation. Mm. If you pray, if you repent, if you turn and come back to me, I will, like we think in the midst of our, the, those seasons of judgment that we go through or difficulties, when we reap what we've sown in our wayward years, it's really tempting to believe that my chances of joy my chances of thriving and flourishing, I may have piddled those away. Mm. And that isn't the language God uses here. Mm. Yes, you've made a mess of things. Yes, you've made a mess of life, but I still want to bless you. I want to show mercy to you. When you pray with all your heart, I will hear you. I will answer you and I will help you. And imagine what a balm of Gilead mm. that was for Daniel in this season of agony in his experience. And these are, these are not new verses. These are the verses that you see all over Instagram, just posted in nice calligraphy. And you think, oh, God, God knows the thoughts that he has towards me. You know, he's going to bring me to an expected end. This is all going to be great. These are specifically testifying to the experience of the Israelites and especially Daniel here. And to hear, I think, those words that given that he, he now is stuck in this place where he, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's the end of the tunnel is, isn't even in view. It's an infinite tunnel. He's just com in complete darkness in that respect. And to hear these words, I think th that's, that's God's hug. Oh, yes. And I love that we find Daniel not understanding something that God has said and, and finding genuine discouragement in that. And the place that he goes for encouragement is the same place that he got discouragement in the first place. That's it. He finds encouragement in the word of God. And this is why it's so important for us to be going back to scripture. Mm -hmm. And go, in those in those seasons when we don't understand, God has encouragement for us. Mm -hmm. God has answers for us. And maybe in some of the most unexpected places, but he rewards our diligent searches. Mm -hmm. And and God's Daniel's faith is tested for 15 years, and in his diligent searching, he stumbles upon a gold mine of grace, of mm. forgiveness, and encouragement. But that would never have come to him had he not chosen to look mm. and search with all of his heart. And there's a tremendously relevant lesson for us in this very point. It's not the only place Daniel would have been searching. So we know Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29. There's another promise that Daniel would have been lurking for. And we see him quoting it actually in the prayer that we'll come back to in a moment. Mm -hmm. Go to 2 Chronicles 6. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, in beginning of verse 36, this is Solomon praying a prayer of dedication over the temple. Mm -hmm. And this is what he says. 
When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, meaning the people of Israel, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to a land far or near. Yet when they come to themselves, that very same language is the prodigal son. Mm. He came Came to to himself. himself. When you realize the mess that you've made of life and that you're longing for home, when you recognize what you gave up and what you lost in your selfishness and, and, and squandering your inheritance... When they come to themselves, where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have committed wickedness. That's exact language Daniel uses in Daniel 9. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, when they've been carried captive and prayed toward the land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you've chosen, and toward this temple... Uh, which I've built for your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer, their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who sinned against you. Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open, and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. And he closes out basically by saying, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, and so forth. Uh, and there, there in verse 39. But the amazing thing is, Daniel was already living some of these promises as soon as he went into captivity. Right. Right. He gets in trouble in the chapter regarding the lion's den, where he's praying three times a day towards what towards direction? Jerusalem. Towards the fallen temple in Jerusalem. The only reason he did that was because he was storing the promises of God in mm. his heart. This guy was looking for anything scripture had to say about his current circumstances and clung to the life that they afforded. Wow. And that's what's going to be the safeguard for you and I in any of the crises as we deal with as Christians, is by looking and searching the scriptures for anything that's relevant to what we're going through, mm-hmm. and then holding God to what he said in his word. Wow. That's how Daniel did life. And so when you go back to Daniel 9 now, it's, it, these, this prayer has a whole different meaning and relevance to me after studying what he was studying. Right When I looked at what he would have been looking at, I realized this guy is literally praying scripture back to God. So you go to Daniel 9, you get to verse uh, 4, where he says, The God who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, he's quoting Second Chronicles 6. When he says in verse 6, Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, that's Jeremiah 25. And then he goes down in verse 7, O Lord, to us shame of face as it is this day, but to you, uh, but to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all countries to which you have driven them. That's Deuteronomy 28 because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. And then if you skip down uh, to verse 13, it's very interesting. He says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth, Mm -hmm. which is 2 Chronicles 6 and Jeremiah chapter 29. He realizes we've been here for 70 years Mm -hmm. And we've not been doing what you asked. We've not been praying a prayer of repentance back to you. And so Daniel realizes, I'm going to bank on what God said before. I don't know what's going on with what he said now. I don't understand what God is doing or saying. Mm. But what I can rely upon is what he said previously. And what God said previously was, pray with all of your heart. And if you repent, I will favor you and send you back. So he does that very thing. And as much as I love, you know, using my concordance, Daniel doesn't have one of those. He's not able to just flip over and look for the word 70 and see if anyone has spoken about it or or to look for these buzzwords that might come up and give him a clue. This man is running through scrolls. 
Yes. You know, it's not even a compiled book. Right. There he's, could be a scroll in this part of the kingdom, a scroll somewhere else exactly. in that part of the kingdom. And he's he's yeah. pacing up and down. And I really wish that, and I'm speaking to myself here, but on a general level also, that the word of God meant as much to us today as it did then. Yes. That we didn't just, we have the cheat sheet now, but we didn't just go on Google and look for Bible verses about such and such, or are there any encouraging sermons about this? He immersed himself in the scripture. He said, I've heard something from God that I don't understand, but line upon line, precept upon precept, if I'm going to get an answer, it's going to come from the word of God. And if I've got to go through the whole thing, I'm going and I'm going to find, I'm going to find out what God wants me to know. I'll leave no stone unturned. And, and what I love about this is it's a blessing that we have access to these mm. resources to make it a quicker search, right. and we should do that. But there's a tremendous benefit that we receive by searching the scriptures for ourselves, by that agonized. And just imagine how rewarding that was mm, for him. Wow. That he didn't just search, you know, as an act of futility. God honored that search even though it still feels like God doesn't hear and God isn't present and God isn't, he's doing things that he doesn't understand. Right. He, he stumbles upon gold that God has strategically placed for such a time as this. Mm. And the same could be said for you and I in our deep challengings. It, deep challenging circumstances, those faith crushing and potentially faith destroying life circumstances, a miscarriage, a divorce, unexpected loss, financial loss, spiritual discouragement, whatever the circumstances may be, when we don't know what to make of what we're going through, those desperate searches always are rewarded. Ask yourself this, when is the last time you searched the scriptures with desperation? Perhaps it's time to stop. Friends, the word of God is God speaking to us Are we not desperate to hear his voice, to do his will? That starts in the scriptures. When we come back, we'll see just where this desperation leads Daniel and the lengths that God will go for those he loves. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. We're pulling together years of education and experience to bring you the most comprehensive mental health podcast out there. From bipolar and schizophrenia to the common bouts of worry and sadness, we're here to help. This podcast is for the mom with irritable teens, the businessman burned out by work, and the student overwhelmed with school. In other words, this podcast is for everyone. The brain people don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. At the end of time, When we stand in the judgment hall, none of us will be able to carry our excuses to the feet of Jesus. 
God has given us every ounce of encouragement we need in this life in His Word. And sure, it's easier to find encouragement elsewhere, but usually there's no supernatural power behind it. The Bible is God's failsafe for our excuses. Daniel found no excuses. He found encouragement. In chapter 9, he prays for his people. He's quoting the writings of King Solomon. He's saying, God, I'm not asking for your forgiveness because I deserve it. I'm asking because I know who you are, because I know that you are faithful, because I know your character, because this is who you have said you are. And that's all I can hold on to. The guy has prayed his guts out this whole time. And this is what he's told. Verse 20, Now as I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking, he's made this abundantly clear. Like the words haven't even fully come out of my mm-hmm. mouth yet. Mm-hmm. It's that quick, he's saying. Yes, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning in Daniel 8, being caused to fly swiftly. Again, this this. You just get this sense that heaven is absolutely staring this entire time and ready to act quickly in response mm-hmm. to his need. Mm-hmm. Not like, hey, 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 there's a, there's a call for help. Is anybody on duty right now? Like, it, it's we're, we're, we're tuned in with you, Daniel. We're mm-hmm. listening. And he came about the time of the evening offering. He informed me and talked with me, verse 22, and said, Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you skill to do what? Understand. understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I've come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Wow. What's the very thing Daniel is tempted to not believe right. in the midst of praying his guts out and not understanding what God is doing and why things are happening? That God's forgotten them, that he doesn't care, and that he is, in fact, not loved. And the immediate thing he tells him is, I came as soon as your heart yearned to pray. Mm. Before any words came out of your mouth, I was sent. And the first thing I want you to know is that you are greatly beloved. And that's what all of us need to hear in those moments. Yes, would it be nice to get an explanation on why we're going through it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the great need of our heart and soul in those challenging circumstances is to indeed know that in spite of who we've been and what we've done, we're still not just loved, greatly beloved Mm -hmm. you're the treasured possession of heaven you are greatly beloved but if if he gives up if he allows these discouragements to just overtake him and moans at the lack of interest that heaven appears to have he never gets this right you know he misses possibly one of the greatest blessings that we have record on Mm -hmm. a direct visit from heaven where the angel is not speaking to the people he's speaking to daniel like not only are you important enough for us to leave and come here in the midst of your prayer but the message that we have, and I love that this is that this is what Gabriel brings, not necessarily immediate understanding of all Daniel's problems. I want you to know, Daniel, in the midst of all of this, God loves you. Yes. God loves you greatly. And I think I think Gabriel gets it. Gabriel knows that in these times, it's not necessarily answers that bring us back to God. It can never be answers. Even the even the understanding, you know, when 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 we're when we're in these kind of crises, 
what we need is not so much understanding of technicalities and this word means that and this is pointing to this what we need is to know that that nothing has changed on God's part he still loves you he loves you yes. and, and and he sees the pain that you're in yes and even though you don't understand that's okay all heaven is interested in the agony that you're enduring right now and to read the promises in Jeremiah and so forth would be a rich blessing but God doesn't stop there mm. he also sends an angel from heaven to tell him you are greatly beloved. Just because you don't understand what's going on right now, that does not mean that you aren't loved. Mm. And just because God hasn't made it clear to you what you're going through, that does not mean that you are not loved. Now, in verses 25 to 27 of Daniel 9, it's making the point that the Messiah will be rejected, which will lead to the destruction, desolation, and displacement of the nation, which happens in full totality in AD 70, uh, when the, the, the temple is destroyed. And it's a very similar story to what led to the displacement, destruction, and dispersion of the nation of Israel for 70 years to Babylon. Mm. It's a very similar thread. So God is saying the very type of thing that you went through right now is coming again, but it's going to be the big one. Mm. And this is going to really, really matter. And it's a type of what the 2300-year prophecy is going to be about. The same idea of a time being given to people to make sure that they're right with God, they're understanding what's going on, because there's a judgment that's coming, mm. an important judgment. So from the type that Daniel has lived is given a type that's to come, which is a picture of the type that's still to come. And so God is answering that part that he didn't understand, but Daniel doesn't know what that means. Mm. So even though God is answering the math, it still isn't helping him right. emotionally, as you were mentioning, because he mm -hmm. doesn't really know what all this means. God's giving answers that Daniel doesn't understand. I mean, by the end of his book, he still doesn't really get things. Right. And, and this may be the case for some of our ministries and some of our burdens that we may not get full answers. But what gives us the strength is the understanding that God knows mm. and that God's in control and that God loves me in spite of what I'm going through, well, in the midst of what I'm going through mm. uh, and in spite of what I've done. And it's this massive gospel theme that um, God is, because, you know, Daniel's pleading with them, God, keep, you keep covenant with your people. And his response in his prayer in Daniel 9, his response is, you better believe it. Mm. Let me show you how faithful I am wow. in my covenant. And it reminds me of the story of Genesis 15. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward. Mm. And you would assume he would say, amen, you sure <laughs> are. He says, no, you're not. You mm. promised me kids and I don't have any kids. I don't understand what you're doing right now. Mm. So it's difficult for me to let you be everything. And which is, is, is a human response. Yeah. And God doesn't shame him or beat him up. He says, let's go for a walk. Look at those stars. If you could number them, so will be your descendants. And I'm still going to have a seed that comes through your body that will bless the world. Wow. The promise of a coming Messiah, which is the same promise that Daniel gets in this moment. Mm. But the interesting thing is after that conversation, Abraham falls asleep and he's given this vision. These animals are severed and cut in half and a flaming torch passes between them, which is Eastern culture covenantal language. That basically what people would, they would walk through these animals together. And basically the idea was, uh, the implication was that as they walk through this, that they're basically saying, so let what was done to these animals be done to me if I don't keep my covenant with you. Mm. Well, God just did that to Abraham by saying, so let this be done to me. So let me be torn if I don't keep my covenant to you. What he just showed Daniel is, I'm going to be torn to keep covenant to wow. you. That the Messiah is going to be destroyed. He's going to be cut off, but not for himself, mm. for his people. 
God gives a gospel solution and answer to what Daniel's wrestling with, that I do still keep covenant to my people. And let me show you just how faithful I am. I'm willing to suffer and die to prove my love to you, to prove my faithfulness and my commitment to you and to your flourishing. And I think it's amazing. And so if you want to know how faithful I'm going to be, look at my son who's to come. Throughout all of his hardships, God is teaching Daniel about the gospel, keeping him focused. Daniel, the point is not freedom from literal kingdoms. It's freedom from the kingdom of darkness. It's being unshackled from the chains of sin. It's the promise of a new heart. Daniel still doesn't understand. He's struggling. But in chapter 10 and verse 2, He tells us that he was mourning and fasting for three weeks straight. Now, God did tell him he's loved. He did touch him and strengthen him to stand. And he did give him a gospel promise. But the lack of resolution, again, could still crush some of us out. Mm. But Daniel becomes even more disciplined, even more committed in his spiritual life, not less, seeking understanding. And then eventually, in verses 4 to 6, he has an encounter with Jesus. It's a similar encounter that Isaiah had in chapter 6. It's a similar encounter that John had in Revelation, encountering Jesus. And it humbles him. He falls in his face, and he says, The people with me didn't understand what was going on, and they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone, verse 8, and I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. And, and, and I'm, I know there are people listening right now that just feel like I've got nothing left to give. Mm-hmm. The weight I'm bearing right now is too much, and I can't do this anymore. Daniel understands what that's like. And then he says in verse uh, 9, Yet I heard the sound of his words, and when I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. In verse 10, he uses this word suddenly again. Immediately someone comes to my aid, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, so the encouragement he gets at this stage is another touch, Mm. but he can't even fully stand. Mm. There are times when what God gives us is helpful, but it doesn't really get us off the mat fully. And Daniel's story kind of gives acknowledgement of this, but he doesn't stop there. In verse 11, then he said to me, Daniel, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Mm. He reminds him again that he's loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I've now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, that I'm greatly beloved, I stood trembling. The only thing that causes him to be able to stand is knowing that he's loved. Mm. And I believe this is the only thing that's going to cause God's people to stand in the end of time, Mm. is resting in the surety of the fact that I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you're not acting when I need you to act. But the only thing that's going to make me remain in a standing posture or to get up from the ground to stand is that intimate knowledge that I am loved. Hmm. And I love this so much and how this narrative breaks down and, and continues. And then he says to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand. Again, he's saying the same thing. I heard you as soon as you started praying. I And to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have heard your prayers. You are loved. I'm willing to touch you. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, the chief princes, came, uh, the, the chief princes came to help me, for I have been left alone with the kings of Persia. And now I've come to help you understand. And this is a really, really important lesson for us. Because what he's being told is, 
You think that heaven is silent to your request. You think that nothing is going on when you're praying, when you're crying, when you're fasting, when you're agonizing. And the answer he's given is, there are battles going on right now that you know nothing about. Mm. There are battles being fought for your benefit that you know nothing about. So you think I'm silent. You think I'm indifferent, but I'm working for you. Mm. Even now, I'm working for you. And he's even fighting battles and winning victories. That literally, there is a battle that you're waiting on that has already been won and you don't know. Mm. And you know what that tells me? That in those moments when it seems like heaven is doing nothing, it could be that the victory has already been achieved. Mm. He just hasn't told me yet. And it's evident that God's fighting for him even in the seeming silence, seeming indifference. When you don't understand, God is not sitting on his hands, right? God is active. That doesn't mean he has to tell you all of what he's doing. We have the benefit that Daniel didn't. We can read this after the fact. We have the benefit of Job's story. It's a situation where there are battles being fought and things going on behind the scenes that we are totally unaware of. And if we truly trusted that God loved us, then in those moments of waiting, we would realize that I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand who you are and what you're doing, but I do know this much. You're faithful to your covenant. You love me and you're willing to touch me and strengthen me for the crisis to come. And if that's all I have, that's enough. The book of Daniel is far more than just end-time prophecy, beasts, and images. This book contains the practical lessons that you and I need to just get through life, period. These inspired words are where true inspiration and encouragement come from. And when we get to the 19th verse of Daniel chapter 10, three times Daniel has been told by heaven's chief messenger that he is greatly beloved. Multiple times he's been, he's been touched and strengthened. Twice he's told that as soon as you prayed, I heard, and all of those promises he was claiming, that if we pray and God hears, God showed him, I keep my word. I hear you. I always hear you. And not only that, but I'm sending my son to die for this planet, to bring reconciliation for iniquity, to, to seal up the sanctuary service, and to bring the great consummation of the great plan of salvation. And for three whole weeks, a great battle raged behind the veil. Satan was working through the kings of Persia, desperate to prevent the people from returning to Jerusalem, desperate to throw the timeline off track and prevent the Messiah from coming as was promised through the prophets. But yet Jesus prevails. Satan is a defeated foe and nothing can keep God from keeping covenant with his people. God makes promises, God is encouraging, and he's saying, I want to provide for you, I want to bless you, and I see these promises being made to me, but the fulfillment just seems continually out of grasp. Right. And we all wrestle with those things, yeah. but I just you, you get in that season, and you just wonder, and, and he even communicates in such a way that almost implies imminency, hmm. and then years go by, and another year goes by, and another year goes by, and you just wonder... I know who you claim to be, but man, I'm really struggling. I don't understand what you're doing right now, God. 
I don't understand. And it seems like there are no real answers coming. Yeah, and, and you know, you see other people who are walking in a circumstance, and other, and you think, well, what, what about me? Have I been forgotten? Has my t- and, and parents today are wrestling with that. My kids aren't coming back to the Lord, but God promised they would. People who want children, but they can't have children. People who are waiting for healing, and healing is not coming. We've all got our stories, and in my story, it's been one of those things that. Many times the stuff we, we wrestle with or, the, or those those challenges of our life are very deeply personal to our mm-hmm. own stories and that they hurt us and stress us and stretch us more deeply than other things would. It's almost handcrafted to our story and our circumstances. And I'm in the throes of that. And you just wonder, like, I know that you're a God who keeps covenant, but when are you going to keep covenant to me? Mm. And we go through this and it's just, it's exhausting it's difficult. You, you, you just fall on your face and it's hard to even get up some days as you're fighting these battles. And I've taken such great consolation in the story of Daniel because his physical reaction and emotional reaction is so relevant to my story and to my battles. And it shows me that if God was faithful to Daniel, And Daniel found his solace in going back to the promises that God had made and holding him to those promises. That's my only hope of refuge. Mm -hmm. And those times when I feel that God isn't hearing and God isn't responding to my prayers, that doesn't make it true. And what if God is fighting battles for me right now that I know nothing about and that he's already secured a victory for me and I just haven't seen it yet. And as I step back and, and, and study and immerse myself, not just in what the words say about Daniel's life, but as I'm, I immerse myself into Daniel's story, I realize that there's a God in heaven who knew what I would be going through. Mm. And he placed that story in there just for me. Even if I'm the only one, God would do it just for me. Greatly beloved. To let me see that I'm greatly beloved, that I'm not overlooked, that I'm not forgotten that I'm not neglected, that I'm still here. I'm fighting for you even now. And that hope is coming. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, find us at whythedidthat.org. We would love it if you could subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could go as far as leaving a review, that would be amazing. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook or Instagram at whythedidthat. And of course, YouTube, where you can actually watch this episode now as well as listen to it. So make sure to check that out too. Finally, If you would like to support this podcast and keep it running, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash WTDT. This show was produced by the supremely talented Paul Keefe and the video editing by Jonathan J.J. Jensen. And a special thank you to everyone else on the Why They Did That team. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.